0: Our scripture reading today is from Jonah chapter 3, starting in verse 1 through 4, 11. Um, Jonah's between Obadiah and Micah, if that helps, um, finding it. Please stand if you're, as you are able, as I read from Jonah chapter 3 and 4. And I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now, Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In forty days, Nineveh will be demolished. Then, the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh, by order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone call out earnestly to God. Each must turn away from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. God saw their actions, that they had turned away from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened to them with, and he did not do it. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord asked, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said, It's better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. So may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between the right and their left, as well as many animals. Ephesians chapter
1: 4, we'll be looking at the remainder of verse 26 that we started a few weeks ago, and then including verse 27. So Ephesians 4, 26 to 27, get serious about sinful anger. Get serious about sinful anger. Jerry Bridges labels sinful anger as a respectable sin. In other words, it's a sin that Christians tend to tolerate. He laments that our anger is often directed toward those we should love most. Our spouse, children, parents, or siblings, and those who are our true brothers and sisters in Christ. Those in our church families. We think that anger is respectable. Because on the one hand, when we are angry, we're convinced that we are right. Sinful anger is tolerated sometimes because the the person, the angry person, coerces the people around him or her into agreeing that they are right. And it's tolerated sometimes because we become conditioned to not say anything because we know we will pay a high price. Brothers and sisters, it's time for us to get serious about sinful anger. It's time to stop acting like anger is respectable, because it's not. Christ hates it, and the devil loves it. That ought to be enough, right? To make us say, okay, we're done with this. How tragic it is to live in fear of an angry person. Mom is terrified of going to the store knowing that her... Child may throw an angry fit when they don't get their way. A family tiptoes past dad's recliner knowing that a wrathful arm may strike. A family flinches with wounds of mom's bitter, critical words. Who wants to live with angry people? Who wants to work under an angry boss? Who wants to sit under angry preaching, always venting against the latest evil? Who wants to be around church members who are quick to be offended? Who wants any of that? Well, surprisingly, Christ saves angry people. If he didn't, this place would be empty. <clears throat> he puts them into his church But, and this is important, this is key, he refuses to leave them that way. He refuses to let them stay angry. Jesus provides rich resources that are designed by His Holy Spirit to transform those people into those who are, we will see in verse 32 later, they are kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. And so, in these two verses, we are called to obediently and skillfully prevent sinful anger. To obediently and skillfully prevent sinful anger. We need to be first sobered by the fact that God prohibits sinful anger. Take it from where we are comfortable, thinking it's a respectable sin. It's just, well, that's just the way they are. It's the way I am. He prohibits it. And then we need to employ the skills that he provides, skills that enable us to put off sinful anger. But sinful anger, if you've ever tried to dislodge it from your own life, you know that is hard. And so we need something powerful to replace it. And to begin, what we need is something that can begin transforming our thinking. Because it is so hard. It's not just something that we decide, okay, I'm not going to be angry anymore. It doesn't work that way. I wish it did. There's more to it than that. What's going to transform our thinking? So when you're angry, I want you to ask yourself this. Or say to yourself, sorry, I want you to say to yourself this. Now, the first part of this is easy. You already do this, okay? Say, I'm angry, and I believe I have a right to be. You're already convinced of that. That's When you're angry, you're always convinced you're right, right? Okay, so just say it. Be honest with yourself. Admit what's already true, you know to be true. But then add this, and this is the transforming part. This is the part that is designed to start changing your thinking about sinful anger or just to understand anger right, What is say this, I'm angry and I believe I have a right to be, but what is most important is that I seek a biblical solution while maintaining godly character. And so what we've talked about with... Righteous anger in those two lessons last year that we had uh, just kind of boil that down to a couple key points that we need to get us moving in the right direction of transforming ourselves regarding anger is to say, okay yeah, I'm angry and I feel right now that I have a right to be. But and tell yourself this, but. I need to be pursuing a biblical solution, because if you're not. Pursuing a biblical solution, then automatically your anger is not righteous. And say to yourself, and I need to make sure I maintain godly character. I mean, think fruit of the spirit, and then those those ones that I read at the uh, in verse 32. Uh, these beautiful character traits of that describe our Lord Jesus Christ, and He wants them to describe us. Maintain those. If you don't maintain all of those, now some are going to be, remember we talked about that, some are more to the forefront than others. But if you can say, I'm not self controlled, then you are sinfully angry. If you can say, I am not peaceful, you're sinfully angry. Right? What we have in the section we're working in, verses 25 to 32, are these five put-off, put-on pairs, okay, an ungodly thing to put off and a godly thing to put in its place, okay, and so in all of them, except for one, the order is put-off, put-on, and so you always hear us say that, put-off, put-on, when we're talking to you about this or in counseling. However, when we get to this one here in verses 26 and 27, dealing with anger, Paul flipped he flip-flops the order. It's put on, put off. Okay? Why does he do that? Well, he quoted from Psalm 4.4, 4, and he just kept David's order. Okay? But he, he has a, a method to his madness here. Because we need to understand... Like, okay, we're going to get to stealing. Everybody knows that stealing is wrong. Okay. And he can start out with, okay, don't steal, but. Okay. With anger, though, we really think we're right. And, he's, and he's, he says, okay, be angry. And we're like, whoa. I'm supposed to be angry? Well, righteously, Yes. And that's why we spent a couple of weeks talking about what does that look like? What is righteous anger? We need to understand really that so that we know what it is that's supposed to be put off. Because anger, like, you know, stealing is never okay. It's always sin. But anger can be good and righteous and it can be unrighteous. And so he tells us first but he's keeping David's order. Psalm And what was going on just briefly there in that psalm is David is warning his adversaries not to sin by making false accusations and other things like attacking him. See, he was confident, we find in that. So it's a lament psalm that that transforms into a psalm of confidence. And so he's confident, he shows that in the psalm, that God would avenge godly people. And so that's why he speaks up to and warns his adversaries. He says, tremble and do not sin. And then Paul takes that from the Septuagint, the Greek version. Be angry and do not sin. But what David is telling his adversaries is this. You know, you might feel like you have a right to be angry with me. I get that. But be careful not to sin. In your anger, he's telling them, tremble before God. Because if you sin, he will avenge. See, David was confident of that. And just as a word of comfort to those of you who maybe live under sinful anger, God will avenge you. He will. Now, in those previous two lessons, I gave a general definition. We said this. Anger is a powerful emotion prompted by perceived evil. In other words, we think it's really evil initially. We might be right. We might be wrong. And that motivates us. That's why it's a strong emotion, because it's designed to motivate us to do something. It motivates us to respond to that evil now, that definition applies to both righteous anger and unrighteous anger, godly anger and sinful anger, okay? It applies to both. And so before we examine sinful anger the rest of our time today, let's review quickly what we learned already about righteous anger, just to get that back in our minds. You know, we've had, you know, an awful lot of sweets and everything, and our minds are probably purged of everything we've learned last year. So we, we, let's get it back in there, Okay. <clears throat> this is like a righteous garment that we put on this is the put on part first righteous anger that's expressed in a settled conviction it imitates god okay so righteous anger if it's expressed in a in a settled conviction it imitates god that's surprising to some people some people think that that all anger is sinful and it's never righteous and, and they need to do a Bible reading program, okay? So we've, we've advertised those already, you know, read through the Bible this year. And, and you'll see that God does get angry, but it's always righteous. Second, righteous anger is against actual sin that is defined by whom? Or what? By Scripture, by God, Okay. It's not defined by our expectations. And that's very often where we go wrong, is we have expectations. You know, this is the way you ought to behave toward me, and then you don't, and I get angry. And a lot of times we're off base from the start because we have expectations for other people. It needs to be defined by Scripture. Third, righteous anger motivates toward biblical solutions. That's why it's a strong emotion. It, it is supposed to. God gave us this emotion, this this strong emotion to motivate us to do something about it. So if there's a situation where there, sin is happening, God wants us to do something about it. Okay, And so we have that strong emotion, but it's supposed to move us toward a biblical solution, not what we typically do. And then, for the individual believer—that be you and me—the goal of righteous anger will be to correct and restore. It'll be to correct and restore. Remember, we talked about there are two different ways of looking at the goals of anger. One is punitive, and the other is constructive. Okay, where uh, punitive, really, biblically speaking, that belongs to God. And he's delegated that to the state. Okay? Outside of that, punitive anger is not for us. So none of us here are uh, are judges who sit in a court of law that can pass a sentence. Okay? So it doesn't apply to any of us. So punitive anger is not something. But sadly, punitive anger is the most common form of our anger. Where you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. Right? Or it should be to correct and restore. And then finally, righteous anger expresses itself in godly character. This is a very important and helpful point. We need to think through the Spirit and all the other graces that we find, the character traits in Scripture that tell us that this is what Christ is like and we're to be like. And your your anger, if it is righteous, it will it will be done in a way that shows godly character. Okay. So whenever you're sinning, your anger is not righteous. Now maybe you're right about the situation, but if you're responding without godly character, then you then that's your anger maybe was righteous and now it's sinful. Okay. So let's look at the text before us today, Ephesians four, twenty six and twenty seven. Uh, follow with me there. Paul says, be angry And yet, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. God forbids us to exercise sinful anger. We need to understand that. It's not a suggestion. He's not making a recommendation, hey, life will be better if he forbids it. Do not sin in anger. These two commands here at the the beginning of verse 26, they go together. They're joined by a conjunction and be angry and do not sin. So if you're going to be angry, if the situation calls for righteous anger. You make sure that you do not sin. That's what he's, Paul is telling us here. Those go together. They they need to happen at the same time. If you should be angry, do not sin. You are forbidden to sin in anger. And the word for sin here is one we've seen many times before in our studies. It means to miss the mark. And remember, it's that's a deliberate missing of the mark. Here, when we're dealing with anger, what Paul means by it is it is deliberately sinning because you think you have a right to. I mean, that describes our anger, doesn't it? You know, so so I just get mad and I start throwing things at you. Okay? Because I think I have a right to. That's why I do it. I wouldn't do it otherwise, right? And you know, strangely, and, and this shows a little bit of uh, what we might call insanity. When we're angry, we think it's okay to sin. Don't we? We think it's okay to cuss. We think it's okay to lose our temper. You know, to to um, yell and scream and throw things. Uh, you know, have a temper tantrum on the floor in the store. Um, we think it allows us, it, it gives us a right to be hateful to other people. And... And I see this happening more and more among Christians today, and it grieves me. When we're angry, it's, people think that it gives us a right to just toss out the fruit of the Spirit, Christian character. That ought not be. It's never okay to not ex- exercise the fruit of the Spirit. A right cause never justifies sinful behavior. A right cause never justifies sinful behavior. And so this pro- prohibition, do not sin. It should stop us in our tracks when we are angry. And when you find yourself in the, in the anger starting to well up, and it might be righteous and it might not, but when it, is, when it is welling up, it should stop us in our tracks and remember, okay, I'm, I think I should be angry here, but... God tells me, do not sin. I need that prohibition. I need to rem- remember it. And if you, you're not convinced yet, think about what Jesus said in Matthew 5.22. He warned against people making a habit of sinful anger. And he said, because if you do, you will be guilty before God. Guilty enough to be sentenced to hell. It, it's that serious. You know, and that, that's why it's so mind-boggling that we would make it Respectable. That's something that we tolerate in ourselves and in one another. When we forget what Jesus said about it. So put off sinful anger. Okay, that's the prohibition. And then I talked about that we're going to look at some principles that give us the skills to deal with it. First, seek a biblical solution as soon as possible. Again, verse 26, be angry and yet do not sin. And then this, do not let the sun go down on your anger. So seek a biblical solution as soon as possible. The word for anger here, it takes the word we've already seen in the verse for anger and it adds a preposition to it. And what that does is it intensifies it. And he's describing a person here who is intensely provoked. Their anger is festering inside. It's making them irritable. Now you can see why it's so important for us to deal with it quickly, right? Because if anger is inside of us and it's starting and it's festering, then we need to deal with it as fast as we can. And you know, even righteous anger, if it is left to fester, in other words, we're not doing something about it, It can boil over into violent outbursts, or it can be become an inward seething that grows into bitterness. And both of those outcomes are sinful. Anger should not linger overnight. That's the, the basic principle. <clears throat> and, and John Edie helps us to see how to transform our thinking with this. He says... The day of anger should be the day of reconciliation. That's the principle. I love that. It's beautiful. The day of anger should be the day of reconciliation. If you become angry today, deal with it today. That's the idea. He says, it is to be but a brief emotion, slowly excited and very soon dismissed. If it be allowed to lie in the mind, it degenerates into enmity, hatred, or revenge, all of which are positively and in all circumstances sinful. When we let anger, we allow it to, to linger unaddressed. Sins like those in verse 31, which we'll get to later, they, they will be allowed to sprout and flourish. He, he describes their bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. Again, what did Jesus say about this? Matthew 5, anger can turn into hatred. Jesus said that that's murder in the heart. That's how serious this is. It shouldn't be respectable. Take steps that very day to do something about the situation. You've heard this before, and it's good counsel. Keep short accounts. Okay? Okay? You know, you don't want to be that person who comes into counseling and they've got, you know, they've, they've got, you know, six different legal pads that are full of of all of the things the other person has done wrong. And it's never been dealt with. Keep short accounts or bitterness will develop. And so the biblical solution here at this point, talking about it, may be twofold. First you might need to repent of your sinful anger. Okay, so maybe somebody sinned against you. Let's just say for the sake of argument that it was a real sin that they they did. Okay, something they didn't get their way and, you know, your your child, you know, just screams at you in the store or they, you know, pitch a fit and fall on the floor. You know, you've never had that happen, right? (laughs) Never, right? It's sin. And you respond sinfully. Okay? You might need to repent of your sinful anger first. And some of you may have years of sinful anger that you need to deal with. You know, you you might. That's more common than you think. Now, whether it is years of sinful anger or a one-time event, just happened right you know, right now, the first thing you need to do if you did sin in response to that person is to repent of sin. And what, what does that mean? Okay, I don't want to just pass by repentance and you don't even know what that means. Okay, what does it mean to repent? First, confess your sin. Confess it to God. Confess it to the other person. Okay? I sinned against you. God doesn't work on, well, who sinned first? You know, and we do that. Well, you know, I'll confess my sin once you confess yours, because you sinned first. And God doesn't work that way. He calls both of you to be first. Okay? So you sinned against them, and you confess it. It's like, God, I sinned against my, my spouse, or child, or parent. And then you turn to them. I sinned against you. And here's how I did. This is what I did. Second... Ask the other person to forgive you. That's important because that clears the slate. When you you confess your sin, and you say, "Will you forgive me?" Now you put it on their, put the shoe on their foot, and they have to respond now, and they're required by Christ to forgive you. And when that happens, guess what? Most beautiful thing in the world, slate's wiped clean. It's gone. You leave it. It's gone. OK, read about what God says in the scriptures about how he deals with sin. And that's how we are supposed to deal with sins. Now we can move on with a with a clear relationship. And then third, put on the righteous behavior scripture calls for. That's a repentance. It's not just, you know, because you could just like, OK, well, you know, 157 times a day, I'm going to confess my sin and ask your forgiveness. But I'm not ever going to try to change. OK, that's not repentance. Repentance is work on change. So, repent, and then only then are you fit to help the other person with their sin. So, they sinned first, you sinned in response, you need to deal with your sin first. Matthew 7, Jesus, you remember the take the log out of your own eye section? You have to deal with yours first, then you can see clearly to then help them. So after you have cleared it up, so I sinned in response to you and you've forgiven me. Now, I would like to take some time here and talk about what happened when you threw yourself on the floor in the store when you screamed at me. And Okay, let's deal with that. Then help that other person if it's a real sin. Sometimes you'll find out that, no, it's just my expectations. I got mad and it wasn't even a real sin on their part. But if it is, then you can deal with it. Now, Okay, so, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, so in winter you have a shorter window, right? And if you live way up by, you know, the North Pole, you know, right? So in summertime you've got like 23 hours and... No. It's a a basic idea... Deal with it as quickly as you can, preferably today. Shoot for that. But you know, sometimes, especially when it's in the home, it's way past bedtime and you have to get up early tomorrow. And you know that if we keep this going, I'm not going to get any sleep. Okay, It may be wise to say, and this is okay, but you've done something is to say, can we commit to dealing with this tomorrow when I get off work, when you get back from school, when whatever, okay? We will deal with it as quickly, as soon as we possibly can. That's doing something, right? This verb here is a present tense imperative. What that means is that we should not make it a habit of harboring anger overnight. That's the idea. Don't make it a habit. Okay. That's why we don't have to be legalistic about. You know, I'm sorry. (laughs) We're not getting any sleep tonight. Okay. And guess what? Tomorrow's going to be like. Right. Okay. No, you don't have to be legalistic, but don't take this lightly either. Don't take that as an excuse to just keep blowing it off, okay? At the very least, commit to deal with it as soon as possible. If you can, if you have time, get a plan started for dealing with it. Say, okay, tomorrow, okay, when I get home from work, we'll, we'll deal with this, we'll sit down, and what we'll do is we'll look in the Bible, we'll read this, and start a plan if you can. If you don't have time, say, okay, the first thing we're going to do is make a plan. But our first step is we're going to sit down tomorrow at, you know, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, whatever, after supper. We're going to sit down and we're going to deal with this. Begin praying about it. Okay, you can do that while you're falling asleep. Okay? Lord, work in my heart. Show me if I have sinned. Begin praying about it. Praying about a solution. And then maintain godly character. Okay, godly character probably didn't happen. That's what got you here. But make sure you're working on that in the meantime. It, it, what that means is that you don't get to, okay, well, we can't work on it tomorrow, so I'm not cooking your, your breakfast and, and I'm not packing your lunch and I'm, I'm not going to take the garbage out like I normally do before I go to work. And I, you know, No. Godly character, right? And then the, the second principle for us to be skillful about this. Shut the door on the devil. And that's actually what what Paul means here. That's what he means by opportunity. It's a door. Okay? Shut the door on the devil. Verse 27. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him an open door. This is why lingering anger is so dangerous. Even if it's righteous anger. Even if if you can show from Scripture that you're right and you've handled it in a godly way. If you don't deal with it, if you let it linger... You leave a door open to the devil. You give him a lot to work with. If you, if you deal with your anger quickly, and if you do it in a, in a godly way, maintaining you know, godly character, you don't leave the devil anything to work with. And that's what you want. You want to leave him with nothing to work with. Otherwise, by his craftiness, what he will do is he will use your flesh as a beachhead. Remember those lessons, right? Not too long ago where he will you know, get planted there in your flesh and he'll launch an attack on your inner man and he will tempt you to sin. He will tempt you to wallow in the gutter of bitterness. Or he will tempt you to explode in wrathful vengeance or something in between. Martin Lloyd-Jones explains that nothing opens the door more widely than anger. And for this good reason, The moment you are controlled by your temper, you are no longer able to reason. You're no longer able to think. You can no longer give a balanced judgment. You're like a beast. The moment sinful anger is taken over, the devil enters in. I hope you find that incredibly sobering when you think about your own anger. So by way of application, sinful anger, don't do it. It's that simple. So Paul said, don't do it. And then this, deal with all anger, righteous or unrighteous. Deal with it quickly before the devil sees that you left the door open. Because he'll see it. He's always seen it, right? You let anger fester, and what happened? Oh, a lot of bad happened. Why? Because the devil saw the door open, and, he, and he's going to take it. He will always take that door if you leave it open. Next week, we're going to dive more deeply into ways that sinful anger is typically manifested. And we'll, we'll recognize these things in ourselves. I, I know it's not going to be fun, but we need this. We need to understand this. We don't want... Sinful anger to be respectable anymore. As we come to the Lord's table, I want us to meditate on these things. Christ breaks into the lives of of angry people. He saves them. And then he sets out to transform them into people who are kind and forgiving and tender hearted. Has He begun that work in you? First, has He saved you yet? And if He has, has He begun transforming you regarding anger? And if He has, is there still more work to do? Examine yourself. See, because the cross is where all this happens. And that's why here at the table, we're all gathered around the cross in our minds, our hearts. And we need to examine ourselves before the cross because it is only the cross that can transform us from being angry people to forgiving, kind, tender-hearted people. So meditate on that while uh, we partake of the Lord's table.